We make USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, sir, for this great and awesome day. This is the day that you have made, and we shall rejoice, and we are rejoicing and being made glad in it. We thank you, Father, that as we have gathered together on this second Monday, that you would not only meet us through a form of impartation, but meet us, Father, uh, with a visitation of your Spirit. I pray that as callers are gathered here tonight from across America and even around the world, we pray that tonight that you would uh, speak to us all and you'd come visit us, whether we're in our automobiles, our offices, our homes, our living rooms, our kitchens, wherever we're at tonight, that you'd visit us tonight as we move forward in the things you've ordained. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, a couple of things, and then you're going to hear from one of our fellowship pastors. He's going to be talking about his experience, and then I'm going to just share a quick leadership talk with you that's going to empower you again. Uh, if you want to find out more about the Harvest Fellowship of Churches, go to bishopforman.com, F-O-R-E-M-A-N.com. HarvestChurch.Church. There, at this time, there is no cost uh, for you to associate with us and join with us. It's a very, very simple process. We made it simple on purpose uh, so that uh, people would be able to connect. Again, I'm after results, not rhetoric, so we made it simple on purpose, so we encourage you to do that. And you can see the benefits that are available for our fellowship pastors as well as what we ask of all of our uh, fellowship pastors that connect with us. One of the beauties of being connected to me and being connected to the Harvest Fellowship of Churches is you're gathering from an anointing that knows how to take nothing and turn it into something. We planted Harvest Church 12 years ago in Denver, Colorado, from scratch with nothing. And for some of you, you've been around for a while, so you've heard the story, but I think it's always important to share because you'll never fully appreciate anyone's success or accomplishment if you do not know from the uh, origin in which they began. You'll never appreciate someone's glory if you don't know their story. And so uh, in 12 years, we've seen Jesus do incredible things from scratch, a multicultural, multigenerational, debt-free church. And what's awesome about that is that Colorado is 46 out of 50 for church attendance in the nation, meaning there are only four places with lesser church attendance. In addition to that, it's only 4% African-American. What does that indicate? That there's a low level of cultural diversity in the area. So to see a church led by an African-American man that ministers to whites and blacks and Hispanics and Asians and all ages, all backgrounds, you've got a Ph.D., sitting next to a GED, sitting next to somebody who's still figuring it out, sitting next to somebody that's tatted up, sitting next to somebody that's got a, a skirt all the way down to their ankles, sitting next to somebody who's got on shorts. There really is this great tapestry of the community and of the culture that exists in Harvest Church. And so it's so awesome to see what God has done. And we by no means arrive. However, there's a grace and anointing on me to show you how to take nothing and turn it into something. I didn't just do that in the business or in the church world. I did it in the business world. started my first business when I was 12. By the time I was 21, I built a multi-million dollar real estate finance business. And so I was used to building things that were successful and things that accomplished their goal. 
What am I telling you that for? One, I live as a student. I don't think I've arrived. I don't, live, I don't do anything like that. I live every day learning, every day growing, every day as a student. And that's what the greatest leaders are. That's why you're on this call because you're a student which means you're a great leader. And so I just want you to say it with me. I know nobody will be able to hear it on the call because everybody's muted, but just say that. I'm a great leader. Say it. And it may sound pretentious at first, but I need you to say it. Life and death in the power of the tongue. You need to hear yourself say this about yourself. Say it again. I'm a great leader. Say it with me. I'm a great leader. You need to know that about yourself. And, uh, and so I am used to doing that. And so when you connect with a fellowship uh, like uh, Harvest Fellowship of Churches, you're able to be connected to a grace that's a favor. That's a supernatural that knows, a supernatural ability, rather, that knows how to take nothing and turn it into something. And if you're in ministry in this day and time, many people are presented with those types of scenarios where they've got to take nothing and they've got to turn it into something. They've got to take a small building box and they've got to build a castle out of it. They've got to build something great. And what I'm here to tell you is it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't even matter the hand you're dealt. It just matters who's helping you to play that hand who's helping you to navigate forward. And so that's one of the great benefits uh, and so many other things. So you can find out more about that in the, uh, uh, on the websites there or when you, when you text that. Uh, additionally, I want to make sure you got the Harvest mobile app. You can text Harvest to 59769 to get that. That way you can stay connected with us. As I mentioned while we were doing our five-minute waiting period for folks to get connected, I do every Monday night a time of prayer on Facebook on Facebook Live, and so many people, many look at the replay, but on the mobile app, you'll get updated, you can get our podcast, our YouTube channel. Leaders, you've got to feed yourself. And if you're connected to Harvest in any way, you've got to feed yourself. And I make it easy so that you can feed yourself. You know, it's sort of like if you ever seen on TV where they have all of these different businesses now where they say, we'll send you all the food, you just prepare it. Here's the beauty of how we've set things up for you. The food is prepared. All you got to do is just, is just heat it up, meaning all you got to do is just get the app, and get the word. There's never a deficit of information, but there's often a deficit of, if you're connected to Harvest, is of attention. It's never going to be a scenario where you're not being fed. It's only going to be an issue of where you're not positioning yourself to receive. So I encourage you to do that because you're a great leader. Last thing before we talk to one of our fellowship pastors about their experience, and then I'll do a quick leadership talk, um, we've released and really done a pre-release of some awesome podcasts that I really think you want to take advantage of. These are podcasts uh, that are available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and uh, Spreaker, and tons of different different places um, that you can get them. And uh, you just type in Bishop Form in a Harvest Search. we got two for you. One's the Leadership Podcast. So the Leadership Talk I'm going to share with you tonight is going to be on our Leadership Podcast. So it'll be awesome for you to be able to avail yourself to that. And uh, other leadership talks, leadership materials, they're going to be there. And then, secondly, you've got the Life-Giving Message Podcast. So these are the messages that I share at Harvest Church. And I can tell you, as a leader, they're going to speak into you. It takes iron to sharpen iron. So I'm going to speak to the strength that's on the inside of you. You you are drawn to Harvest, and you're drawn to me, because it normally takes iron to sharpen iron. In fact, it's not that it normally takes. It does take iron to sharpen iron. You're a person of strength. You're a person of focus. You're a person of, person of fortitude. You're a person of results. You're a person of advancement. You're a person of acceleration. Well, you need to be connected to something like that so that that's sharpened in you. If not, you'll get around a lesser metal, and the lesser metal will dole you out because you'll watch this. You'll spend all your time sharpening them because you're never being sharpened by them. So that's why you're connected to Harvest. Now, we have got with us a great man of God. He pastors there in the California area. He can tell you more about that. 
And uh, he has been, uh, we uh, originally connected uh, some time ago. He was with us. We did a regional event in September. And, uh, of course, he was just here for the last Harvest Conference. He's a great man of God. He's a phenomenal uh, leader and wonderful encourager and, uh, and a supporter. What I love about him is he likes to see everybody win, and that's so rare today. And uh, he's with us. He is Pastor Vance Barnes. Pastor, you with us? I am with you, Bishop. How are you tonight? Oh, I tell you, I'm doing wonderful. So glad that you're on the call and so glad that you are sharing with me. Hi. First off, tell everybody just a little bit about uh, who you are, where you pastor, and a little bit about your journey into the pastorate. All right. Well, first and foremost, thank you, Bishop, for just giving me the opportunity to be present on the call and, be, and to connect with all of these great men and women in the kingdom. Um, so my name is Vance Barnes. I pastor in the, one of the greatest cities, I believe, in the world, San Francisco, California. I've uh, been preaching since I was about 16, pastoring since I was about 21. Um, I took over a traditional church. Uh, that was approximately 46, 47 years old when I took it over. So you all can imagine uh, the trial and the tribulation that I had to endure. And I got to tell you what really captivated me about uh, Bishop Foreman and this great fellowship is he kept saying something that, you know, he was anointed to turn um, nothing into something. And even though I had something to build with, I got to be honest with you, men and women of God, I did not have much. And so um, long story short. I've been pastoring for quite some time now. I'm excited to be with you all tonight and excited to be on this great call and excited to be in the fellowship. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's fantastic. Talk to me a little bit about what, uh, from your experience, talk to, because we, you know, again, as I mentioned, I wish so many more of our pastors would have taken advantage of this last conference. Streaming is great, but being there is just the business. Talk a little bit about your experience at the last conference. Great question, Bishop. Thank you for asking that. And let me just take a step back um, for a minute. Um, you know, as a pastor, you know, I have been pastoring, well, been pastoring for about, I want to say about 15, 16 years now. Um, you know, one of the things that was important to me was to be, to be a part of an experience, to be a part of a moment, and to be in the space, and to be a part of a fellowship that was not just about me building the fellowship. And I know all of our, I know your lines are muted, but I'm pretty sure that some of you can identify that with that. I felt like other previous fellowships and previous experiences I was a part of, it was about me basically um, bringing my resources is there and them per se not really helping me building me and at the end of the day no man is an island we all need help i think bishop said it in the beginning of the call is that we all need help and we need a place of resource and so um you know i connected with bishop and i have followed him and, it, and if you're, you're like me before you get involved with anything you watch and you pay attention and what i see is very much very much so important because it wasn't a place where i just wanted to be where i wanted to bring my church as well so i wanted to make sure um that what i see was what I see, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, um, you know, back back in September, you know, I think I think you can identify. I think you remember this, Bishop. Which it was kind of last minute, and the Lord said you need to go to Denver. And I said, right. well, I said, I, 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 I can watch it online. I think we've all said that before. <laughs> right. I can watch it online. I got, I got, you know, time is money, and money is time. <laughs> I don't know right. if I have right. time to do that. Three days is a long time. Um, but I was again, I needed a place where. It was helping me. I believe that anytime you're part of fellowship, you know, you need to help it grow and it needs to help you grow. 
Um, you know, it needs to be the effect where both parties can benefit. Um, that's in, in, in any type of relationship that we have here on earth. I truly believe that. And so I went in September and I was absolutely amazed. Um, I was inspired. I saw a lot of people truly enjoying God, enjoying the kingdom, and enjoying people. And that mattered to me. That truly mattered to me. Um, it was refreshing. Um, it was also challenging. Um, as I mentioned to you that Bishop said, you know, he's anointed to turn nothing into something. And the Lord was speaking to, to me doing that throughout that whole entire conference about my ministry and what I did and how I had lost my passion and how I needed to gain my passion back and things of that nature. Um, but the experience overall, Bishop, you know, back to your question, it was just an amazing experience. And I encourage anyone, um, make plans, make plans today, this week to attend uh, the next regional rally. Absolutely. That, that's when I'm, I'm so glad you said that because so many times, and I can relate because so many times in the streaming day we live in, it's easy to just say, I'm going to stream. And kind of our pastors stream. And I always think you've got to be in the atmosphere because often more things are caught than taught. And so, right. you know, the focus typically is, you know, what's said in the pulpit, and that's important, and that's great. But there's so many things that were in the atmosphere, you know, and you even mentioned right. while you were just in the atmosphere, God began to speak. What, what did you right. see or observe in the people in the atmosphere? Because, again, San Francisco is really, isn't it very similar to Denver in that it's a very unchurched area? Absolutely. Um, I think you mentioned you said that Denver is on the top four list of hard places to be um, uh, to build church. I think San Francisco may be on that top list as as, as well. <laughs> but right, in the atmosphere, right, right, right. So, so I believe this is what I believe, uh, leaders. I believe that that good ministry ministers to every to everybody. And I believe that you really put yourself in the box and you only have your picks and chooses on who you decide to minister to. And so I pastor in a, in a, in a very unique place, place, San Francisco, California, uh, where the population now is about 3% African American. And so I wanted, so I'm building a membership where it's, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's not a black church, it's not a white church, it's, it's not a rich church, it's not a poor church, it's really a whosoever will let them come church. And one of the things I really loved about the atmosphere um, at the conference when I first seen it in, in, in September, um, that it was really people of all nationalities. It was people from all economic backgrounds. Um, it was people at all various stages in life. And they weren't there to, 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 to just party. They, they weren't there to, to just talk or just go to church. You know, we've all had those conferences where people just come to see. They're really hungry to grow and really hungry for God. And that was one of the most amazing experiences I've had. Wow, that, that's powerful. Right. You're, you're right. Uh, 46 out of 50, so there's only four places with lesser church attendance um, in, in, the, uh, in the nation. And uh, uh-huh. it's really, really amazing. I'm sure San Francisco is on there. While we were on here, I started, you know, the researcher in me, the teacher in me said, hold on, let me go find it. And so I started researching and looking here to see it. And so it, it certainly looks like it, it's a tough area. And then 3% African-American. And I think that's so important because church is so much more cultural than it is, than it is spiritual. How, how have you seen that in your scenario where you were taking, uh, you know, taking something that was there, but in many respects really had to build it from the ground up? Can you ask that again, Bishop? I'm sorry. I think my sure. phone shut out. Sorry. Sure. No problem. So how, how have you seen that where it is more cultural than it sometimes is spiritual? Uh, how have you seen that in play in your scenario where you, you know, you really took something over, but really in many regards, you really have to build it from the ground up, that cultural aspect. How important is that? Because sometimes people say, oh, I got good preaching. 
the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. and all of that and all that. But church is really so much more than that. So how have you seen that in your scenario, the culture? Well, in, in, in my scenario, great question. Thank you. Uh, you, know, you know, I believe great ministry is like, I mean, we don't have a Walmart in San Francisco. And I remember when I went into Walmart the first time when I was in Atlanta, Georgia, about five years, six, five, six seven years ago. I said, wow, man, you know, Walmart has everything. They have a grocery store at Walmart. They got electronics. They have clothes. They have everything. And I, I know you guys may be laughing like, well, everybody knows that. But I didn't know that because we didn't have Walmart in, in San Francisco. And I said, man, I said, and that's the way church should be. We should really offer something for everyone. And that's why I realized in the culture that I had when I took over the church, the church, the reason why the church wasn't growing at that time is because we had, like you said, we had good preaching. Oh, we had good singing. You know, oh, we had a good choir. Oh, we had good musicians. But at the end of the day, that really wasn't growing the church. Mm-hmm. And, and Bishop, I think you can testify to this, that, you know, good preaching and good singing and good musicians don't necessarily grow ministry anymore. It's just not no. happening. Again, in a place of San Francisco, you know, we have, we have Google here. We have Facebook here. We got Twitter here. We have all the social media platforms. They're headquartered here. Um, these are people that are make, making six-figure salaries. And, and, yes, they still need Jesus, but the things that, that attract them are not necessarily the things that attract um, a more traditional, traditional church. And so we really had to transform our culture. That's amazing. That is really amazing. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I think that's so important to understand because when you're talking about church and, we, and when you're talking about, you know, even being connected to an organization and people, you've got to be connected with people that get that because you right. can start feeling like a failure if you're not connected right. to people that get that. You know, right. um, you, you can think, oh, my God, something's wrong with me. What's going on? Maybe I'm not anointed. Maybe I'm not called. Or maybe it's right. just that you're just, again, something I said earlier, maybe you're just around the wrong metal. Right. Um, maybe just around a metal that doesn't get it. So because they don't get it, just like you talked about your Walmart experience, they wouldn't be able to sharpen you. So I, I think that's important. Right. Just, just a couple more questions. Cause I think this is just right. a beneficial conversation. W- what would you say, because you've been in church, you've been around, what would you say? to pastors, uh, you know, and, and again, we're talking to people all over tonight, but not just pastors, but there's also creatives that are part of the fellowship, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. business owners. There's, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of everything that is connected with us. And of course, the, the preponderance being senior pastors, but a little bit of everything that's connected to us. Why would you say it's so important for them to, we're going to announce the dates of our next gathering, to really make sure that they're in that environment. Why is that so important? Because again, you said it, but I want to make sure we drive it home because most people think, oh, I'll just stream it. I'll watch it, you know, because Harvest, you know, we got six digital canvases. I'll watch it on Apple TV or Roku or whatever and YouTube, Facebook Live, what have you. But you're, I think you're really missing something when you're not there physically. Why should they, should they make plans to be there? Um, because nothing, nothing could be the experience. As you mentioned on this call, there's leaders, there's, there's, there's creative. So that tells me there's movers, there's shakers, there's, there's dreamers. Um, on this call, I truly believe that 99.9% of you on this call are responsible for something, whether that be ministry, family, business. And I think what happens is as business owners, as ministry leaders, we always figure out a way to just fit it in our schedule. Um, but a lot of times those things that we fit into our schedule, like going online or just listening in, a lot of times we're not totally focused on that moment where God really wants to use that moment to inspire us. And, and, and as I always like to say, to wake up that dreamer and wake up that hustle, that, that hustle in you again. And that was really what happened with me. I've always, I mean, you, you, you can even look back to, I mean, I don't know how many people were born with a silver spoon in their mouth. I know I wasn't. 
Um, but not right. having everything, Bishop, really taught me how to be creative and really taking me out of my everyday environment and sitting in Denver, Colorado. It really began to help me rem- st- stop, take a step back, stop going through the motions. Because if you've been preaching and pastoring longer than five years, you know how to go through the motions. And I think you all right. know what I'm talking about. We, we, know how to, we, know, we know how to preach uninspired. We know how to preach while we're going through. We know how to preach when we're mad. We know how to preach when we're upset. But the reality of it is, is that if we're going to be effective and we're going to, and we're going to, be, and we're going to progress and, and, and successfully win, we're going to have to stay focused and stay inspired. And I really would really stress the importance of being present so that you can get that inspiration, so that you can wake up that dreamer again and wake up that creative again and wake up that hustle. Wow, wow. That, that, you know, I think that's so good. I think because what you said is about really waking that up. I can, I can empathize with it because I, I was not born with a silver spoon uh, in my mouth. You know, the reality is, is uh, everything that uh, I have, I, I had to build and work for and, and had to do it from scratch with no help. And, and right. so understanding how to do that and do it in a way that, you know, that where you get something done. And then in a place where it's not easily done, you know, you're talking San Francisco and Denver, what we're talking about right now on the phone. We're not talking Atlanta. And and, and I'm not saying to everybody in Atlanta that it's it's easy. I'm not saying that. So don't miss, miss, I don't want, I don't want any of our Atlanta pastors emailing me tonight saying, well, Bishop, what you trying to say? Uh, (laughs) You know, Atlanta's Bible Belt. It's church city. You know, people go to church. You put a sign right. out right now on Peachtree Street. You know, they got about $4 million, right. But you put a sign out right now, and people are going to be, oh, what's going on? What's happening? This isn't Dallas. Right. This isn't right. Houston. This isn't any of those environments. These are environments right. where accomplishing something is, is very difficult when you consider the, right. cultural, the cultural aspect. One last question. What, what right. do you think, as, in your pastoral journey, what's been your greatest challenge so far i say one more but it might lead it to a couple more but what's been your greatest challenge so far in your pastoral journey um i would say my greatest challenge is um i'll say my greatest challenge um in ministry is to continuously keeping the people um motivated and to stay consistent you know, ministry ministry is always transitioning, is always changing. Um, and you're always getting people in, um, and people are transitioning out, whether they're moving out of, the, out of the city, moving out of the area. As we mentioned before, that this is one of the hardest areas, and so people are constantly moving because of the cost of living. Um, but definitely keeping people um, and consistently keeping them motivated to be faithful uh, to the work. Wow. I think that's, that's really, really good. And, and one of the things you said I think is good where we can drop a, drop a nugget and then I ask one more. Then I got just got one more question, but this has been good. I got appreciate it. this. And again, pastors and ladies, if you're just coming in now, you'll be able to go back and uh, listen to the call will be on replay when you call back again, but we'll put uh, uh, the leadership talk and things. You'll be able to get that in our leadership podcast. We're talking to Pastor Barnes, one of our fellowship pastors. And you were just talking about how, Keeping the people motivated, keeping the people focused, et cetera, can be um, sometimes a difficult thing. One of the things you understand in ministry is that people will come, and, and we all know the next part of the phrase, people will go. It doesn't right. matter how great you are. I want to drop a pastoral wisdom key, if you will, a wisdom nugget or a uh, or, or keystone principle. We'll use, you can pick one of those three terms. 
and use it. But one of the things to understand when you're leading an organization, Jesus teaches us. He, he talks about how uh, the word was sown, and he gives four different places it's sown. And out of the four different places it's sown, out of one, only one out of that four produced anything. What does that teach us? There's a very potent, potent principle there. It's the principle of return. The principle of return is that it doesn't matter how many people you reach, how good your preaching is, how excellent your leadership is, only about one out of four are going to actually get it. Only one out of four are going to actually stick around. And so if someone says, Bishop, I want to build a church of, you know, of 100 people, well, you've got to get 400 through the door to, get, to net you that 100. And, and, and that's assuming that, you know, there's 0% attrition, which is falling away. And, of course, that, that 0% attrition doesn't exist. The law of return is important to know because in ministry sometimes what happens is, you know, you will pour out all of you to the 100%. And you will expect, I'm going to set somebody free tonight, the 100% to bring you a return, meaning that they're faithful, they serve, they're dedicated, they give, they're loyal, whatever. But the rule Jesus taught us is that only about 25% are going to actually get it, and only about 25% are going to have a return, which opens up this last question. You mentioned that being your challenge. What's been your greatest, would you say, success or accomplishment in pastoral ministry? And I don't ask that necessarily um, by something necessarily tangible, but maybe it's a skill or something that happened during your pastoral journey that you would look at and say, that's one of my great accomplishments or successes. You know, and I was actually sharing this on the plane. I was actually coming back from L.A. Uh, the, other, uh, the other day, and I actually shared this experience. I think the greatest moment in my ministry, and I'm going to take it to a Sunday morning service, was when, you know, as I mentioned before during the beginning of the call, I took over church. I was 40-something years old, and they were very – they were standard, traditional Baptist ministry. And now if you come to our church, we have no dress code and, and things like that. But at that time, they were very – they were very particular on dress. And at that time, you know, I was very younger in ministry, and so we had a lot of people that did not necessarily have church clothes. We had group home, you know, people from group homes coming and stuff like that. And so it was, it was a very, it was a big divide because the younger people weren't talking to older people, and older people weren't talking to younger people. And so it just made it hard to do ministry. Um, but through prayer, through fasting, through, through being strategic, I think the greatest moment was when we had a Sunday morning service. And I know when I say this, people are going to be like, I don't know if that's a big idea, a big deal, but it was big for me. Um, we had a service mm-hmm. where somebody had asked for prayer um, because they they had a drug problem and they didn't mm-hmm. understand why they kept taking the money um, and spending on spending drugs and not taking it home to the family. They had been in and out of rehab, and then you know we prayed for this person, and then another person stands up and and say, almost says the same thing, and like you know six or seven more people had started you know, talking about, you know, their drug habits and their sexuality and then even issues that they've had with their family. And basically it was, it was quote unquote secret sins that they didn't want the world to know about. And we were in churches packed Sunday morning. The fact that, that I was now at a place in, in, in ministry and our church is a place where people felt that free to be who they, to be honest about where they are. Because you can't build off a facade, you can't build off something that's fake. You can only build off the truth. And, and the greatest moment in my ministry is when through work, through prayer, through fasting, through, through, being, through being strategic, now we were at a place where people can be honest about where they are, which gave me the opportunity to build from there. That was my, one of my greatest moments in ministry. That's phenomenal. I, 
I love that because what that tells, I mean, that answer tells so much. One is that it's your pastor who's concerned about people, which is so important because sometimes when you're a leader, you can like crowds and not like people. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't like people, you're going to have a very difficult time being a leader of people uh, because it's going to come out in how you get things done. And when you need the fuel to keep going, you won't have that fuel because you have a basic deficit. You don't like people. But number two, that tells me a lot about you, the individual, which is one of the reasons I, I'm so glad you're part of the Harvest Fellowship of Churches is because uh, you represent the very essence of the same way and style I believe in doing ministry, that if people can come to an environment where they can be real, now they can be healed. And I think one of the great right. disservices that has happened in the body of Christ through the years is that many individuals have never been able to be real. And so consequently, they've never been able to heal from anything because they were never able to be real about anything. And so I think it's really awesome to, to hear that. So thank you for sharing that. One more time, would you tell the pastor, because I don't want our pastor saying, well, Bishop, I didn't know how important it was to come, because I wish many of them would have taken advantage last, uh, this last <laughs> conference. You stress to them the importance of making sure that they're there as part of the next conference. It is so important, men and women of God, to be at this next conference. If I can leave anything with you, I'll leave this. One of my greatest moments, one of not, I have many of them, but one of my greatest moments at the conference is really being around pastors um, that were not there just for opportunity. Um, but we truly want to see each other win. Um, I remember when we were sitting back in the green room, we were waiting to come out to the sanctuary. We weren't talking about what we preached last Sunday. We weren't talking about what we preached two weeks ago and, and how we shout the people. But we were really discussing ministry. And there's really a genuine concern to see my brother succeed. And there's a genuine, genuine concern that my brother sees me, that me, sees me succeed. And so I really want to stress for you to be at the next conference, be there, I promise you, you won't regret it. There we go. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Wonderful, 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 <laughs> wonderful. Again, that's Pastor Barnes, Pastor in uh, San Francisco. And so uh, we, uh, we appreciate you and so glad that, uh, that you're connected and part of, of the fellowship. I want to share just a very, very quick leadership talk that really goes hand-in-hand hand with what he just shared, just a couple of principles, um, leaders, that you can take with you tonight. And I want to I talk from this topic, the necessity of an enemy. When you are a leader, sometimes the very thing that we are resisting or that we are resistant to is the very thing that we actually need. And so we talked about it even just in our conversation a moment ago about some of the challenges and obstacles that can come up, whether it's the location you're at, whether it's the hand you've been dealt, whether it's the people that you have, whether it's the situation that you have. And one of the things I've realized and come to recognize is that if you're ever going to be a necessity of an enemy, here's the statistic. It's reported that 90% of people that become Christians fall away in two years or less uh, because far too many know the story of Calvary but don't live in victory because after Easter, after Mother's Day, after Christmas, they go right back to the same old way of life, not realizing that we're not only saved from something, but we're saved for something. Salvation isn't the end. It's the beginning of a new life. And Christianity isn't behavior modification. It's a new identification. And so uh, if we were to look at this, First John 3, 8 says, He who sins is the devil, for the devil is sin from the beginning for this purpose, 
the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, this is significant because it says that the purpose of God placing himself in a body that was called Jesus was to destroy the works of the enemy. So as a leader, you've got to see that your objective is not your comfort. Your objective is actually what you conquer. Your objective is not uh, what you uh, what you can get per se. Your objective is what you're able to take over, what you're able to conquer, what you're able to knock down. And so, when you look at that, this is the same principle that fueled and focused Jesus. Um, and, and it's very significant because it says he was manifested that he was there to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I want to be just be clear here for a moment in time. It's not that Satan was God's enemy because God has no enemies because God has no equals. Instead, notice the text says that it was his purpose of being manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Works means his past his deeds, his actions of the devil. Uh, devil there is the Greek word diablo, which means the slanderer, the false accuser. So destroying the works of the devil is what Jesus was manifested for. So what do you think that we're manifested for, leaders? As he is, so are we in this world. So since Satan was defeated by Jesus already, that was a sealed deal on Calvary. But guess what? His works are still in motion in the earth, and that's what our job is as Christian leaders is to do. So whether you're a Christian business owner, whether you are a Christian uh, pastor, whether you are a Christian creative, you ultimately need to see what you're doing as destroying the works of the devil. The purpose of your church is not just to fill a room. It's so that you are teaching something to the people so they can destroy the works of the devil in their life. If you're a business owner, it is not just so that you can get rich or die trying. It is so that you can destroy the works of the devil that have impoverished people and given people a poverty mentality. Revelation 12:10 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. In other words, the enemy is not the issue. It's his works that are the issue. And his works become our enemies. So I just want to give you a couple of principles, leaders, to take with you here over the next few minutes. One, enemies are necessary for fuel. By definition, an enemy is anything that opposes your forward progress. Let me ask you this question, leaders. What's a hero without a villain? What's a success without failure? Enemies are necessary for fuel. An enemy, again, is anything that opposes your forward progress. It could be people. It could be mentalities. It could be the city you're in. It could be the hand you've been dealt. It could be your financial situation. It could be the obstacles that you face as you're trying to advance your organization. But you need to know those enemies are necessary for fuel. And that's why Numbers 14.9 says, Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. In other words, what's bread? Bread is food. What is food? Food is fuel. So in other words, he says in Numbers 14, 9, he says, don't you be afraid of the enemy. That's what's giving you fuel. Every morning you wake up, if you've got an enemy, that ought to be fueling you to say, I've got something I've got to go destroy today, something I've got to take over. Let me tell you what inspires me. Uh, Several things inspire me, but one of the things that I get excited about is whenever something looks like it's coming against me to block me, to stop me, to come against me, I get excited about the fact that I realize that's my fuel. All that's doing is giving me what I need to keep pressing through the day. 
It says, nor fear the people of the land, for they are a bread. Their protection is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. If you've got some enemies, that's your fuel. And don't you fear them. The Lord is with you. Hear me, Pastor. The Lord is with you. Don't think that the enemy is an indication that God is not present. No. The enemy is an indication that God trusts you. He trusts you with the ability to destroy the works of the enemy. Second point I want to give you. Enemies are necessary for focus. Enemies are necessary for focus. Psalm 23 and 5, here's the principle. And again, we're talking about the necessity of an enemy in a leadership context, and it, and it connects so well to what we were just talking about, being Delta a hand, being in a region where perhaps, you know, church attendance is low, there's low diversity. Maybe you're a business owner and you've got a barbecue business and you're in a place where nobody seems to eat barbecue. They just want to eat oatmeal, you know, whatever your scenario is, all right? Enemies are necessary for focus. Psalm 23.5, all right? Most people know the 23rd Psalm. Here's a verse you need to get, leaders, and this ought to be shouting you. If it ain't shouting you, it's because you're taking notes. And if you ain't taking notes or shouting, I don't know what you're doing. Psalm 23.5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Check it out. You prepare. This is David talking to God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Enemies is this Hebrew word, tesara, which means to be in affliction or besieged or bind up in a tight place, check it out, or stressed out. Check it out. He says, you prepare a table before me when I'm afflicted, when I'm bound up, when I'm in a tight place, and when I'm stressed out. In other words, when you're a leader and you are experiencing those emotions, experiencing those situations, rather than saying, God, why me, instead say, where's the table? I'm talking to you tonight, leaders. Instead of saying, God, uh, why did you give me this hand? Say, where's the table? He's preparing something for you right in the middle of what's stressing you out, right in the middle of what's tight, right in the middle of what's binding you up, right in the middle of your affliction. You've got to change the question. That's what great leaders do. They ask great questions. The question isn't why me. The question is, where's the table at? Because the book says, if I'm dealing with uh, affliction, stressed out, tight places, bound up, then that means there's a table being prepared. And notice, the table only gets prepared in the presence of that enemy, which means if God removes your enemy, there's no table prepared. What is he putting on the table? What is he serving up on the table? We just learned that the enemies, what did the scripture say? They are our bread. So what God does is use your enemies to create the table, and then he puts them on the table to fuel you to keep you going forward. When you think about this, if you're to think, I like superhero movies. I know we've got tons of people. If you're a leader, you probably have uh, a liking for superheroes because in many ways you can relate to the entire mentality of a superhero, right? Superheroes, uh, they're always going for the underdog. They're always uh, stepping in situations. It looks like they're going to fail, and then they win. If you look at superheroes in pop culture, when they were in affliction or besieged, bound up or stressed out on a tight place, that's when they came alive. That's when they got creative. That's when they became innovative. So in other words, an enemy really, what an enemy does is it focuses you. When Jesus had an enemy called death and hell, that's when he focused and he did his best work on the cross. So an enemy is not only, watch this, leaders, your fuel. An enemy is also necessary for your focus. Fuel and focus go together like hand and glove for you to destroy the works of the enemy. And they both come from your enemies. I just want to share that brief leadership talk with you tonight because as a leader, you're going to face opposition. 
That's anything that opposes your forward progress. You're going to face that. What we've got to do so that we can maximize those enemies is realize they're necessary for our food and their, or our fuel, rather, uh, same difference, and they're necessary for our focus. When you get an enemy, it's going to make you focus on what's important. It's going to make you focus on who's important. When you've got an enemy, it's also going to inspire you to keep fighting. I'm going to encourage you tonight, leaders. Don't you stop. Don't you grow weary and well do it. Don't you bow down under the pressure. No. Instead, you realize this is when I come alive. I like watching Batman because whenever you see Batman, I, and the reason I like Batman is because I think he's a realistic superhero. And you say realistic, what do you mean? Well, because, you know, you know, Superman, guy with laser beams out of his eyes, stuff like that, that might not be super realistic. But you can see somebody making up all this stuff because they got money. You know, I remember watching one of the superhero movies and they said, what's your superpower? And he said, I'm rich. Uh, I can imagine that being realistic. I think that's why I kind of gravitate to Batman. But check it out. Every time Batman was in a tight scenario, a tight spot, tight situation, he came alive. He got creative. He figured out a way to get out of that tight spot. Hear me, leader. Hear me, business owner. Hear me, entrepreneur. Figure out a way to get through what you're dealing with. If you're sad, stressed, defeated, whatever, I'm going to tell you, you're asking the wrong question. Stop saying, why me? Instead, say, where is the table? What else does the table represent? table represents opportunity. What's the table represent? Elevation. Typically, a table is an elevated place where you come to sit to dine. Things are laid out clear on a table. Things are laid out so you can see them on a table. You need to say, where is the table? Because there's an opportunity for victory that you might be missing if you're asking the wrong question. Leaders, I pray and trust that you were blessed tonight by our call tonight and our conversation with, again, Pastor Barnes. Thank you so much. A great fellowship, Pastor. I hope you'll be at the next uh, conference and event we do. We'll announce it to you really soon. Don't forget about all the great benefits I mentioned to you to get a hold of the Harvest app. You can get that as well as the podcast that we've got available for you. You can go back and listen to tonight's leadership talk and so many other great things. I'm praying for you, praying for your success, praying for your acceleration, and pray you've been blessed and encouraged tonight. Have a phenomenal night, pastors and leaders. It's been my pleasure to minister to you. Now get up, go out tomorrow, and rule, reign, conquer, and subdue. Shalom. At this time of year, family comes first. I'm Matt Tate. CEO of Mantec. And all year long, we make our Mantec family our number one priority. People who share our commitment to this nation 24-7. Solving our country's toughest security challenges in everything from cybersecurity and artificial intelligence to enterprise IT and high-end engineering. Does this sound like you? Then come join us at Mantec. Check us out at wearemantech.com. From our family to yours, happy holidays. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.